0: Father, today we come before you with a heart of thanksgiving, heart of praise. Thank you for being you. Thank you that you are love. Even when we don't understand at times you you are still love, your mercy, your grace, your joy, your peace. Times when our lives don't understand, you still are and you have always been. And this is a day that you have scheduled in time for your bride, for your church, your people, for the faithful men and women who have come to know you. And are coming to know you who fall in love with the most amazing, indescribable love that sets a person free. A love that knows no limits. It knows no boundaries. It's uncapped. It's indestructible love that just keeps coming and coming and coming. Even when my behaviour isn't worthy, Your love qualifies me. You qualify me, Father, through the sending of Your Son to reconcile me. You didn't hold my trespass against You, but You've reconciled me through Your Son back to You that I may find myself at a time to come in the presence of almighty god standing waiting being made ready for the day that was already written before foundations of the world ever started thank you my lord that you're outside of time thank you that you create time Thank you that man cannot contain you. You are uncontainable, but you are knowable. I see your face, you're beautiful. You're beautiful, you're beautiful. All that you are is beautiful is beautiful, you're beautiful. Father, I ask today we would see your face, that we would hear your voice, that we would understand what this is about, that we would all receive revelation today, that what has been concealed and hidden would come into the light For everything your word says that is concealed will come into the light that will no longer be hidden. I thank you that you reveal the depths of your word to us and your plans and your purposes for us. I thank you that the things concealed are for us, not from us. And as we go looking and digging and searching, we find answers, we find life, we find fulfillment, we find purpose. In you. You said, Greg, come to me and I will give you rest. Stop trying to find rest in people. Stop trying to find it in work, in sport, in money, in possessions. I am the giver of life, period, 100%. I am absolute truth. If you want life, you will only find life in the Christ in the Messiah for he is the one who has created all life and everything has come through him and him alone and man will never find meaning and purpose outside of Christ we try we look we try our hardest to reject life but please hear me today as someone who did that for 10 long years trying to find life in everything but Christ where He wore me down. His love wore me down to the point where I accepted, I no longer rejected and have found a life that is not of this earth, have found a life that's anchor and its foundation is not in the world. It's not in people. It's not in stuff. It's only in Him and what He says is. And I am so free today And part of what I want to share is what He has revealed to me in the last nine years, that I was created before I ever sinned for a marriage. Before I ever had the opportunity to put a foot wrong, I was already told I would be holy and blameless and spotless. And if you can get a catch of that today, if you can get a handle on what I just said, life will change in a heartbeat. You'll stop beating yourself up. You'll stop thinking you're not good enough. You'll stop telling yourself you're not and you'll start telling yourself you are. You see, this is a little bit different imagery than what the church normally has. It normally has a massive big cross, normally shows you images of the crucifixion and those things. But today the Father said, show them what it's really about. Show my people the end and why the cross had to come. You see, what we do at times is we take the means and we make it the end. We take the cross and think it finishes at the cross. The cross was the start towards the end. And why do we do that? It's because we can't see. We don't have enough sight to see God's purpose and His plan. So we live to the level we can see. And for too long, the church has stopped at the cross. Look, I love the cross. I love that the cross, the blood, the resurrection of life and death set me free, but I don't live there. I'm living for this. This is the heart of the Father. This is the end. Isaiah said, I declare the end from the beginning. So before the foundations of the earth, I wrote it all out. And so he'd say to you today, my people, my church, please know the end, for you were created for the end. The cross is so important, but it is not the end. It is the start of finding a life that finishes like this, where you and I will wear white linen garments, That's what the flower is today. It's your white linen garment. Jesus was always foretelling the future to prepare his people. He said, I'm going to die to prepare you for when I die. He said, Peter, you're gonna go to the cross to prepare him for what he was facing. I love about God, he always prepares you for the future. He foretells it so you can know it now. He speaks of life in the future so your whole life can be turned around to see the end goal, that we would live for the end goal, not the now, the end, but the end can be now as we understand the end now. Men, we do crazy things when we fall in love with a woman, don't we? Doesn't the falling in love with a woman change us? Isn't there a radical change in our hearts and minds when we find this person that we want to marry? No? That'd be sad if it wasn't. When we find this woman, don't we do crazy things? Doesn't the knowledge of the lady that we found maybe empower us to put down our boyish ways? And grow up and be men Only me <laughs> See when you find and understand this You put down boyish ways You put down childish ways Because the power of the revelation of this Changes you That's the whole point point. And all of a sudden The things that you were eating over here no longer seem to have the taste they used to have because now you've tasted something marvelous, beautiful, exquisite. And so there's this natural, innate response called love which just has a man turning and starting to move towards the reality that he was always and she was always born for. And that's what I want to talk about today, and I've started talking about it. I don't know about you, but I love getting invites in the mail. Mysterious invites, similar to this thing. It's always exciting when you get an invite. Oh, is this a wedding? Who's getting married? And if it's a family member, you know, so you're anticipating the invite coming, aren't you? Because they foretold you of their plans. So you're waiting, you're anxiously, so you go to the letterbox every day. Is the invite here? Is the invite here? Wonder what it's going to look like. Wonder what color they're going to use. Wonder what imagery they're going to use. It's exciting because my cousin's getting married. Do you know that you were sent an invite earmarked from heaven? before you ever were. This invite has been waiting to be opened. Have you opened your invite yet from the Lord Jesus Christ and sent it back saying, I'll be at that wedding. RSVP me in. Greg will be there. Who's married here? Put your hand up if you're married. Ladies, when you were asked to be married, when did your preparation start? Was it straight away? You were so excited, weren't you? When your groom-to-be said, will you marry me? I bet you the first thing you did was you called your mum. Maybe if you have a mum, maybe not, I don't know. You told someone though. He asked me to marry him. Man, let's start the preparation now. Let's get ready. Let's book the hair. Let's book the makeup. Let's book the venue. Let's book the dress. Let's book, let's book, let's book, let's book. And when's the date? Oh, five years time but I'm getting ready because I'm excited because I received the invite, the invitation came, I accepted, and so I'm preparing for something that I was always earmarked and destined for. Hence, the imagery you see today is in relation to the fulfillment, the whole purpose of God for his church. Not that we would just be saved from sin, but that He would come and reconcile us back to the invitation we already were. Earmarked in blood 2,000 years ago, written down the greatest love letter ever known to man is the Bible. It's a love letter. I don't know whether you've ever heard that said before. I don't know whether you believe it, but I pray today you'd receive it. That the Bible is a love letter written with blood about a marriage covenant that was in God's heart before any of us ever were. Before I ever had the chance to mess up, I was already chosen. Sort of just sort of messes with the whole thing about sin a little bit, doesn't it? Sin being the massive thing, no lovers. See, in our lack of understanding, we've taken something which is awesome, but we haven't spoken the whole thing, we've reduced it down. My father never starts with a problem, my father's the God of the promise. He didn't go, oh, gee, you know what, Jesus and Holy Spirit, we got a problem here. NASA, we got a problem. He says, I am the God of promise. I create perfection, I don't make mistakes. So you're not a mistake. You were born for a promise. He is the God of promise. He said to Adam, you can free or free to eat from all these trees. What was in the garden? The tree of life. Who is the tree of life? Jesus Christ. Eat of Christ today. You're free to eat from all. I'm the God of the all. I don't start with problems. I start with promises. I only know promises. The macro picture is promise, not problem. That's the micro But see, what we do sometimes in our own understanding is we make micro issues and we make them macro. And we actually take the macro and we make them micro. My father's the father of the kingdom of everything. And he doesn't start with problems in mind. He starts with promises. Because he's the God of love. You say, Greg, is there a problem? Yep. It's in the picture. It's just not where we start. Why do we start with the problem? Because we're not looking up, we're looking down. See, when you can't see the end from the beginning, you look somewhere in the middle. And that's where you pitch your tent. That's where you pitch your life because you can't see beyond. If I can't see Auckland, I can't see Taupo, I'll end up in Taupo, not Auckland. So I have to see the end. So today I'm telling you the end, and I hope and I pray that the Holy Spirit is going to reveal what I'm saying right now in your heart and mind, I know, I know if this word becomes alive in you, things will start to radically shift in your life. Just like the day I met this lady, things started to radically shift in my life. See, when you fall in love, you start doing stuff you wouldn't have done before. You start having phone conversations for six hours that feel like six minutes. You're like hanging out in the car for like ever, talking. Why? Because you're falling in love. You can't get enough. Enough. No one has to motivate you. There's no, oh man, I have to hang out with Danielle tonight. Man, what a drag that is. No, there's this love, there's this innate response. It's not a reaction, I respond. It's like, wow, there just seems to be this energy and this power and this life. And you want more when you leave. It's like you don't want it to end. You want it to continue into the weeks and the days, don't you? Where do you think that comes from? Him. But it's for Him, firstly. Before it's for any other human being, it's for Him. You see, sometimes what He gives, we can slightly twist not knowing, and we end up falling in love with a human and not Him. And yet, we're all created for Him before we're ever created for a human. And that's why I pray. before, you will only find life in him, not in an individual human. My wife has not been created to meet my need, he has. When I'm in him and he's in me, I'm complete, which means I'm able to love my wife like the father loves her. I'm not trying to get anything from her. I'm serving and laying my life down for her with the love of the father that's in me because I've fallen in love with my father and my father has put his love in me. And that's not just for my wife, that's for my children. That's for my mom and my dad, my grandparents, my mother and father-in-law, my brother-in-law, my cousins, the church. Why? Because of the revelation that this is the end. Isaiah said, That God is the God who declares the end from the beginning. So he puts in motion the end and says, now start with that in mind. Walk accurately with that in mind. Be ready. Isn't that cool? Doesn't the Bible say that God is the author and perfecter of faith? So does an author start with the end in mind? If an author is writing a book, a novel, do they start knowing the end and then go back and create? Now the middle might go up and down a bit because it's creative. But ultimately the end is the end. Well, God is the author and he is the perfector, of faith, so he's perfecting us towards the end. That makes perfect sense to me, does it, you? It's simple, isn't it? So do you think that you and I would need to know the end if God is the perfecter, if he's the author of the entire book, if he's the author of the entire story, and he's going to perfect the church towards the end, we would need to know the end, wouldn't we? So then I can start preparing myself the way he would have me prepare myself. Not my way, his way. And that is a very powerful, powerful reality. I want to read you this invitation. Because it's, as I said, it's an invitation of a lifetime. Dear Greg and Danny, the promise of a lifetime, before you breathed your first breath, before you were conceived in your mother's womb, even before the foundation of the world, God my Father saw you and sealed in his heart an eternal promise for you and I. It's an eternal promise. A promise of a lifetime, a promise that will have you preparing for our day. The promise of a marriage covenant. This is my personal invitation to you to come and hear about the promise my Father has had in his heart for you and I before the foundation of the world. Revelation nineteen seven to eight. So once again God is the author. How many people here like to know the end from the beginning? How many people just can't handle not knowing? It's like, oh, this book, I've got to start, figure out if it's a good ending or a bad ending. Does she get the hero or not? How how does it all work out? Anyone like that? (laughs) See, sometimes I'd say, man, you need help. (laughs) Just kidding. But in this time, it's a great time. It's a great thing to know the end from the beginning. Go start in the book of Revelation and you'll find the end and then start in Genesis and allow the Holy Spirit to start to show you through his written scriptures that are for you, his heart. You see, too many people read the Bible to figure out what God wants them to do. They don't meditate on his word to figure out who he is and who they are in him and his purpose and his plans for them. So we miss because we're not looking through the right lenses. It's a phenomenal invitation, invitation of a lifetime, the best-kept secret. I didn't know about it till eight years ago. And if you're new here, I had to go on a journey with God for 18 months where he said, son, come away with me. And day by day, I'd be found in his presence, praying, asking, seeking, knocking, having the scriptures in front of me going, show me, show me, what is this? And day by day, he would start showing me imagery. Some days, nothing. Some weeks, I'd go with nothing, but I was still found there. Asking, seeking, knocking, meditating. The Bible says don't read it, it says eat it. And all of a sudden, this picture, you get pieces of a picture that start to form. But you can't figure out what the pictures are, but something's happening in you. Because God is filling you with his living food, his manner. Jesus said, I am the bread of life, Greg. I am the Passover. If you eat me and drink of me, you'll have life in you. You may not fully understand it because your mind might not yet be renewed to what it is, but your spirit can receive it through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm getting fed stuff. People would say to me, what are you on, man? What are you on? You're like flying high. I go, I don't know, but it's good. I know it's him, but I can't tell you what it is because my mind hasn't yet been renewed to what my spirit is receiving. And over 18 months, it was picture of the puzzle, picture of the puzzle, picture of the puzzle, picture of the puzzle, to the day it went bang, and there it was. The covenant of marriage. The invitation that is in that book that I didn't have eyes to see or ears to hear until the teacher taught me directly. You need to hear me. I'd read about it. Oh, yeah, that passage in Hosea, in Ephesians, somewhere in Revelation. Yeah, 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 the bride, the bride, yeah, whatever. No. The bride, stop. (coughs) And then all the other scriptures and the words start to make sense. Why the greatest commandment would be to love God, not a human. Because he's looking for those who love him with all their heart because you're invited to the marriage. See, what happens if I turn up to my physical marriage and Danny says to me, you know what? I actually love someone else more than you. Am I going to marry her? Because aren't I looking for the person that loves me? Because I love this girl. So what happens if the girl says, I've actually loved that guy over there? Would you love someone? Would you marry someone if they said, actually, you know what? I love that other person. No one would, would we? It's not a marriage. Well, why is he any different? You see, once this starts to get revealed in your mind and your mind starts to understand, then the scriptures make sense when he says, if you love your father or your mother, your children more, you're not worthy. What am I not worthy of if the cross makes me worthy? You see, the understanding, the revealing of this marriage covenant that you and I, before time, before we ever sinned, we were created to be married unto him, to be his people, and for him to be the centerpiece of my heart and my mind, and to me to be consumed with him is the goal. Not with my wife, not with my children, not with my grandparents, not with Liverpool Football Club, but Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You know, I was reading just during the week and he said, Greg, if you don't hate your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your child, you cannot be my disciple. That's a pretty strong statement, isn't it? Now, is he saying, I'm to hate my wife, no. But he's saying, son, if your wife is at the center of your heart and I am not, then you're going to struggle to follow me you're really going to struggle to follow me. And you're probably going to have excuses like this, God, I just got married. I just went and bought a tractor. I've been invited to the wedding, but you know what? The Phoenix are playing next Sunday night at at the cake tin at the stadium. And all of a sudden, see, excuses start coming out of our heart. Why? Because those things are in our heart And God is saying to you, making it so clear, Son, you were created for a wedding. You were born for a wedding ceremony and a wedding to me. So I've got to show you through my word to help you get back on track because, Greg, you didn't start understanding that. You didn't start with this in mind, but I have brought it to light in your mind so I could align you and align your life through my power so you would know that you would walk in a straight path so you would be being made ready for this day. Because, son, I'm not going to marry a people that are unfaithful. I still love them. They're still my children. But this is created for a faithful bride, a faithful people who love me and whose lives are laid down for me. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple because those things will get in the way. The things that we love get in the way of following Jesus, don't they? They certainly do for me. So as a loving father, he's beforehand foretelling and showing you, warning you if you're like. He's making it known because he loves you like I do with my children. Maddie Lily, if you make those choices, here are the consequences here is the end. If you make those decisions, girls, it's going to end in heartache and pain. I'm trying to prepare you. I'm trying to forewarn you, and I hope you're going to do it my way. Can you hear love? If you're a parent, isn't that how you live? And then you have to give the children free choice, don't you? Because if you try and control them, they're going to make those decisions anyway. So then you have to back off because you want your children to give freedom of choice, to find maturity, to make decisions for them. So God forewarns us. He foretells us of this day. He sends us an invite called the Bible and says, guys, here it is. I'm laying it down for you. Not to hurt you, not to squash you, but to bring you into resurrected life. And then you're presented with a choice. And you are continually presented with a choice. For the, my Father, I know my life is a testimony to the love of the Father. Of turning from Him after seeing signs and wonders and miracles and turning because I wanted to live for me. Until the point of living for me got me Nowhere. Someone needs to hear that this morning. Living for you will get you nowhere and it will take you out of this. And so you're presented with a choice who will you live for and who will you truly love? And when Jesus came, that's what he was reconciling us back to because we were all fallen. Because of the partaking of Adam and Eve. And so what we've done is, oh, it's about your sin. And it's about the power of sin. So live as a good lad. And I don't know what's after that. Maybe go share it with some other people and hopefully they'll do the same. Which is awesome. But when the story is this, Ollie, you were created for a promise. You were created for the most intense love relationship before you were ever born. Now here's the little problem. You have this thing called sin that will not hold the father back and the father's going to come and cleanse it all. Why? So you can be reconciled, recompensed back to the father. It's not about sin. It's about salvation. It's about a full life. That is a stepping stone to this. I wonder if the church was preaching that message, the world wouldn't think we've got an angry God that hates them for being sinners. But he has a God that loves them for a promise of a marriage covenant. Which story do you think is God? You're a problem, son, or you've been created for a promise. Ah, oh, that's the God I know, the God of love. And all of a sudden now that mindset starts to shift, and then you introduce the problem. But you start with the promise, which is massive, which is love, because everyone's looking for love, aren't they? But no, what we'll do is we'll start with the problem and make the problem this massive thing. Please, can you hear what I'm saying? Not words I'm saying, what I'm really saying. What the Spirit is saying. That it is a promise first. And then the problem Needs to be dealt with. But it is not a problem first. For God created Adam and Eve perfect. Did he not? Is he not restoring the church back to perfection? Did Jesus not say be perfect like my heavenly father is perfect? So the cross, the resurrection, the death, to life was a stepping stone towards this for god declares the end from the beginning for he is the author and the perfecter of life ecclesiastes 3:11 says god has put eternity into the heart of man how cool is that god put eternity Into the heart of every man, woman, and child. What for? For this. God starts everything with the end in mind. Before the foundation of the world, God had already established and set in place the end. The foundation of the world started with its anchor and alignment in God's conclusion. Everything God has written is in context with the end. I've just finished the last six months writing a book called Bird's Eye View. Feel free. They're over there. Grab one before you go. They're all free. You can get them online. And it's describing seeing from a bird's eye view, an eternal perspective. The Bible says, set your mind on the things above for your life has been hidden in Christ. Stop looking at the things of the earth and get your eyes on the above. Start seeing what is above and living differently on the earth because of your ability to see in the spirit. Radically change you. Start seeing things above, not focusing on the earth. So feel free to grab one. It talks about a lot of the stuff, the bride is in it. He said, put it down so my people can eat it. He's so good to us. What is the picture of your finish line? Do you have one? See, if we're in a race and we're in a marathon, what happens if I do a false start and I don't know and I run and I'm off? And I'm just taken off because I didn't hear the false start. I'm gone. And I'm off. And everyone else stayed behind, but I'm gone. I'm wondering why they're not following. I don't know. Run. The New York Marathon. And I'm blistering away. And I don't know anyone else because I'm going for it. And I get to the end of the, how many miles it is, 25.2 miles or something. And I go there and I go, huh, here I am. Man, I run. I say, oh, Greg, man, you, that was a false start. What? You know, you didn't hear the gun. You took off from the wrong place, or you didn't hear the gun, and it was a false start. What do you mean it was a false start? I won the race. No, you didn't. You started in a false position because you didn't hear. Everyone else is still waiting to go. All that training, all that energy, I'm too exhausted to run the race again, and then the race starts. But I'm not in it because I'm exhausted because I had a false start. Wouldn't be too much fun, would it? <laughs> what is the picture of the finish line? I'm hoping after today, this is it. I'm hoping that you're going to go away and go, Father, I need you to reveal this. Not this at the rock (laughs) his word father reveal in my heart my mind what that guy was talking about if you don't already have it because you will run in accordance to the picture of your finish line if you think your finish line is just getting across the line like getting people saved then you're going to run to that so you'll do this Another one got saved, let's go out and get some more. Another one got saved, let's get some more. Yeah, but there's this whole other journey here, but you never engage in it because you think this is the finish line. I love getting people saved. It's part of God's heart, but it's the stepping stone to the marriage covenant. See, God is full of imagery, and he uses physical examples to teach us spiritual truths. So he gives us a physical marriage covenant as a means towards the true marriage covenant, Christ and his church. He's beautiful like that. He gives you children to help you understand you're a child of his. That's why they're a gift from God, because they make you see your own walk with him. You know, sometimes when I get frustrated with my kids, you know, he's sort of like going, Greg, what are you doing? He uses them a gift to show you yourself. Greg, I don't know if you're much different, son. See, God gives us these physical types. He gives us a thing called the body of family to show us what family really is supposed to be. He gives me parents and brothers and goes this is a physical family but it's all about seeing the true spiritual family but see we think it's a means to an end so we get stuck in physical family and we never look beyond and up to see the spiritual family as number one so physical family becomes number one when it's not it's number two and we do that because our eyes are firmly fixed on the earth and in the temporal so we say blood's thicker than water but God says no spirit's thicker than blood So you look thinking the marriage is it and you're not looking up here going the marriage is there. This relationship is created to refine us both and to prepare us and make us ready for there. That's why there is no marriage after the resurrection. It has served its purpose if it is actually functioning the way it is supposed to because this also can be hell. Can't it? If one is not loving and one is not surrendering and if one is not surrendering and one is not loving this can be World War Ten. And we all know it can be because we've probably all gone through it God is a genius I'm going to take what's not and bring it together I'm going to get a male and a female who are similar but different and I'm going to bring them together For the preparation of their marriage with me. Where a man is gonna learn what it looks like to love me and I love him, so then he can go and love his wife like I love him. And a woman is gonna learn what it looks like to be in submission to the father, so she can know what it means to surrender to her husband. And through that beautiful motive of love in both hearts, you get oneness, which is preparing that couple for their marriage with the Christ. Beautiful design, incredible thought processes. And my thoughts aren't his. I'm not that smart. I can't think that up. But he has. Is your mind starting to open up at all to what this is really about? I come here to make you think. I want to challenge you to think more than what you know when you walked in, if this is not your reality. I want, and I'm hoping your mind might be hurting a little bit. Like, whoa, 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 what's this guy on about, man? I want to stretch you to see the fullness of who you're called to be, not who you think you are. What about Ephesians 1? I love it. Before I had a chance to mess it up, it was sealed. (laughs) Someone needs to get that. He made a way. Your sin is forgiven, forgotten. It's as far away as that is from that. I buried it in the ocean. Receive it and start living. Live, people, live. Receive the revelation that it's done, sealed, already done, written before it ever was, before you ever had a chance to mess up, you were whole. It doesn't get any better than that. That is good news. Someone needs to get excited. It's good news. Messes us up though, doesn't it? Because we're so about proving ourselves. That's the whole point before you ever were. You don't have to prove yourself. You just have to receive what has been done through the one who was perfect. No, no, God, I have to earn my way to you. No, you don't, Greg. I came down to you and made you whole. No, 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 I can't accept that. We'll start to accept it, son, because it's the way it is. And until you do, you're never going to live. You're going to be scrambling all around trying to make yourself perfect. And you already are. For what, Lord? For this. So then start living faithfully. Be a faithful son. You can be married, you can have kids, you can have a house, you can have a car, but don't let those things be idols in your heart. Be a faithful son. Have me in your heart, love me, and all those things carry lightly. There's nothing wrong with those things, they're from me because I created all things, but don't let them become an idol. Don't let your wife become an idol. Don't have her as a high place. Don't allow her to be that high in your heart or your children. Why? Because they will limit you. And you will choose them over me. Because I ask for much, but I give much. I love it. Peter said, man, we've left everything to follow you. Everything. You know what Jesus said? He said, Everyone that's left everything to follow me will have a hundred times as much in this life and in the life to come. But you only get that if you leave everything first. You can't go, I'm going to bring them, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, it's a heart posture. You can have 10 houses, 10 cars, you can be a millionaire. Got nothing to do with physical, everything to do with an internal heart posture. Why? Because he wants to ruin me? No, because he wants to set me free. Because it's the faithful child, the faithful bride that will find herself here. And that doesn't mean he doesn't love you. He does. He's loving you into submission. He wants to love you into being completely and utterly faithful. For he has much for us. Listen to Revelation 19, 7 or 8, and we'll wrap it. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself Ready. The Bible says be clothed in readiness. Do you know when he's coming back? Do you know what he's coming back for? Her. It's what he's been looking for his whole being. But we don't know when he's coming back. But the Bible says be clothed in readiness. You know when they were having the Passover, weren't they ready to leave? Isn't that what it says? Get ready, get your loins girded, get your shoes on, eat the unleavened bread, get ready to leave. What? What were they leaving? Egypt. What's Egypt? The world, the flesh. Get ready to leave and run into where were they going? The promised land. You know, this is the promised land. You think this is the fruit of getting ready, being dressed ready, running the race well, not entangled in sin, but having your eyes on the prize. For I've not yet already obtained it, Paul said, but I run in accordance to it. I'm running with intent. He said, I don't box like any man swinging like this. He said, I'm aiming, bang. I hit the chin, bang. I'm like Anthony Joshua. <laughs> he doesn't miss, man. Our guy's in trouble. (laughs) He says, I aim to hit the bullseye. They were running. They were ready. They were girded, ready to go. Are we? You see, we don't know when he's coming back, though. But he's coming back to collect her. You see, when I got married, I hope you don't mind me sharing this, babe, but Danny was just a little bit late. good things take time she knew exactly what she was doing she was 50 minutes late she's saying I wasn't, I was waiting (laughs) see I knew though that it was going to happen on that day, I thought it was going to happen a bit quicker than what it did but anyway But I knew it was going to be the 23rd of November at 3 p.m. But see, we don't. We don't know when. Only the Father knows when. So then he says, guys, get ready. Because you don't know, so you better be ready. Every day, get ready. Have your bags packed. Get ready. Get your gears on. Get your armour on. Are you ready? Are you living? You see, we... Always want to figure out the when. Man, the church goes, oh, it's going to be this day. Eh, wrong. It's going to be that day. Eh, wrong. The world laughs. Man, what are these guys about? It's about the why. Why would you want to be ready? Because he's coming back looking for a faithful bride. It's in his word. He says this, 2 Corinthians 11, 1 and 2. I wish... That you would bear with me, Paul, in a little foolishness. But indeed you are bearing with me. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. This is Paul. Paul was so in love with the church. A godly jealousy. What for? For I betrothed you to one husband so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. The man's life was laid down to see the church become complete. Colossians 1, 28, 29. He said, I strive according to the power that is within me. What for? To see the church become complete. To see the church become the perfect bride, the mature bride. I'm striving. I'm going from A to B to C to D to E to is is Z. Laying my life down, preaching the gospel, healing the sick. What for? To see the perfect bride established in my lifetime. For you are betrothed to one husband. And I'm jealous that we'd all get there. That you would not be one with the world, is what he's saying. Now we've all come out of the world, we have the world in us. But remember the Passover? They were leaving Egypt. They were getting out of Egypt, which is the world. When he came into your life and he said, Greg, time is son, let's go. It's about getting the world out of me and getting the kingdom in me. So as the kingdom comes in me, I start seeing what it's really about. And it's a big picture and it's a big plan. And it's endless. And it ain't in its ultimate conclusion about this earth. This is the place I serve, but it's not the place I set up home. That's why they moved in tents, because you pick a tent up and you go. A little bit hard to pick up your house. (laughs) It's temporary. I'm here to serve the earth with my life through the empowerment of the Father to see his kingdom established in my heart and my mind and the earth. And you know what? I need you and you need me for that to be a reality. I cannot do that on my own. I was not created to do that on my own because I will not marry him as a single person because the bride is the church. So I am not the bride on my own. The bride is here. And it's meeting at a rise. And it's meeting at the street. And it's meeting wherever the people of God gather is the church. So the invitation is for the entire church church But if you read your invite, is it still sitting in the mail? Oh, that's for you. That ain't for me. Don't know what that's about, but I'll give it to someone else. Ephesians, Paul beautifully articulated, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church, gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Why? Because beforehand I was chosen to be holy and blameless. See, it says here, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love your own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ also does the church because we are members of one, his body, his body. Here's the key. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great. But I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. So the whole thing is not about human marriage at its first place priority. It's about the church and God. Then, secondary, it's about human relationships because as you live that through human relationships, it's preparing you for this. But we sort of miss that bit at the end about this is mystery is great. The kingdom is full of mysteries, isn't it? But Jesus said to the disciples, "I've given you the Holy Spirit that you would understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God." So, if the Holy Spirit's been given to understand the mysteries, and we don't understand the mysteries. Then do we want to? Maybe, sort of, depends what what, rugby team's playing and what i got booked in in about an hour. Don't know. Do you? Holy Spirit's been given to the church to understand the mysteries of God. Do you and I want to understand the mysteries of God? Because in understanding the mysteries of God, you come into life and you start preparing for this day. Why? Because you understand the mysteries of God. They're no longer mysteries, they're known facts. Isn't he good? He wants to reveal his plans. He wants to reveal to you and I his ultimate goals. He wants to share with you all that's been prepared for you and I that no ear has heard, no eye has seen, has not yet entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for you and I. He wants to share them with you. Do you want those things shared with you? It's not hide and seek and it's just, do you want it? It's a really interesting question, isn't it? I'm going to end it there. I'll leave you with a question. I hope you do. That's why we did this today. Because predominantly we'd have a massive cross and we'd maybe have a clip about resurrected life, and that is awesome. But all that is for the purpose of this. And I hope you will go and find him and be found in him and eat and drink and eat and drink because the Bible says in Colossians 2 to 2 to 4, it says, in Christ the mystery is all hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So the more I know Christ, the more I know the mysteries, the more I'm receiving those and living my life now on earth from them. When you understand that you're not born for this earth, you think you're going to lay your life down? You think if you understand that this is your ultimate goal, you're going to lay your life down? You think this food's going to trump the food you're currently eating? I think it will. I know it will. And so that's why he gives it to us. So we can be free full on, crazy people, (laughs) crazy in a good way, where the world would look and go, I don't get you, I've watched you, you're very different, you work different, you speak different, you don't seem to judge like everyone else in the office. You seem to somehow have the ability to demonstrate something that I know I'm not in. Where are you getting your food from? Who do you know that you can live like that? It's powerful. Powerful. So Father, I thank you for today. I thank you that your word sets us free. I thank you that your word brings life I thank you that your word empowers us into this incredible, indestructible life. I thank you for the marriage covenant. I thank you, God, that you've sealed it in blood. I thank you, Father, this is where it ends with you and I and us as a church. And I pray you just continue to open up the eyes of our hearts to see the inheritance that awaits the saints to know, Father, to know without any doubt our inheritance. We love you. We thank you for the knowledge we have. But, Lord, we ask that you would increase that as we seek you with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And through that reality, love people the way you love us, which is so powerful. Thank you that you've written this in your living scriptures for us and you are foretelling us our identity and our purpose in you. Amen.